going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Dolphins In Depth Podcast. I am Daniel Yafusi. Thanks so much for tuning in. And man, it was a busy week in the NFL on Tuesday. All the initial attention on the 4 p.m. deadline to use the franchise tag. But that was quickly overshadowed by some quarterback news. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers announcing that he was staying with the Packers for at least one more year. And then the surprise trade of Russell Wilson from the Seahawks to the Broncos. But this is a Dolphins podcast. And the Miami Dolphins were in the news cycle on Tuesday. Uh, they used the franchise tag on tight end Mike Gusecki. So we'll talk about that. This is the first pod since the end of the NFL scouting combine. Uh, I spent the week out in Indianapolis. Got to talk to Mike McDonald. Daniel, Chris Greer, uh, various coaches, uh, agents, and some contemporaries in the field. Um, so we're going to talk about that as well as obviously, uh, you know, the the performances from some of the draft prospects that are out there. Um, and then we're also going to look forward to the star free agency. It's quickly approaching uh, really next week. In fact, uh, 4 p.m. March 16th. That's the start of the new league year, start of free agency, a lot of deals, contracts going to be flying around. So we're going to look at uh, what's in store for the Dolphins. Uh, but first, like I said, uh, we're going to talk about the news of the day on Tuesday for the Dolphins, which was them placing the franchise tag on tight end Mike Gusecki. Um, This was definitely a move that was expected or definitely it was you know one that we all thought could and, and maybe would happen. Um, Chris Greer at the scouting combine said, all the options were on the table, which included using the franchise tag. And ultimately, um, they used it on Gasecki over defensive end Emmanuel Agba, who was also uh, slated to hit free agency. Um, there were a lot of questions about Mike Gasecki's fit and kind of his future with this team, given uh, the hiring of Mike McDaniel and what that um, meant in terms of offensive philosophy. Um, we all know that he's bringing in a zone running scheme that is really predicated and, you know, really puts a lot of focus and importance on tight end blocking. Mike Kosecki, we've talked about it a lot. I've written about it a lot. He doesn't have you know, a sterling reputation as a blocker. So there were some very fair questions as to like, does he really fit in this scheme? Um, but in talking to Mike McDaniel and talking to Chris Greer um, at the combine, they both really temper concerns and, and are really pushing the, the, their belief that they think that there's a role and there's a, there's a fit for him. McDaniel specifically said that he's worked with a lot of tight ends who have the the same skill set as Mike Gusecki. They might not be great blockers, um, but they're really versatile pass catchers. And he's somebody who thinks that the first thing you should look at a player is what they can do and what they cannot do. So as it stands right now, uh, Mike Gusecki is a Miami Dolphin for the 2022 season, which I know is exciting for a lot of fans. Um, the Dolphins and Gusecki's side will have up until July 15th to uh, come to terms on a long-term deal. If they can't do it by then, he's going to play on this tag, which is roughly about uh, $11 million. That's $10.9 million exactly, which I think is a really, really nice value for Mike Gusecki and you know where he stands kind of um, and where he ranks among tight ends. When you look at some of the recent deals that have been given out to tight ends, uh, Mike Gusecki, I mean, his his uh, four was definitely way more than $10.9 million. Uh, last year, John U. Smith, Hunter Henry signing deals with the New England Patriots that are worth roughly about $12.5 million. Um, Dallas Goddard with the Philadelphia Eagles. Last November, he signs an extension that's worth about $14 million. Um, so Mike Gusecki was definitely going to get his money. Somebody was going to pay him like one of the better pass catching tight ends in the NFL. Right now, he'll have to settle for the um, franchise tag. But the hope is that, um, you know, for him, definitely that he can get a long term deal that pays him out a little bit more. Um, I know that there's also some questions about whether, you know, uh, Mike Gusecki will actually even contest this 
um, tight end designation, um, just given the fact that he lines up out wide and in the slot so much as opposed to tight and in line um, to be used as a blocking tight end. Um, you know, I know that there's um, various stats on, you know, how often and what percentage he lines up in certain spots. Um, I know looking at NFL next gen stats, he lines up um, out wide and in the slot roughly 75, 79% of the time. Um, so he's, you know, in name, he's a tight end, but he's definitely being used um, as a wide receiver in terms of, you know, the, his alignment and being out wide and running routes and whatnot. Um, it's, it's an interesting question. Will Mike Gusecki contest his designation because there is a, a real disparity in terms of the franchise tag amount for tight ends and wide receivers. Like I said, for tight ends, it's $10.9 million, but for wide receivers, um, that's 18, $18.4 million. So that's a, that's a, that's a legitimate amount of money, um, you know, to, to, potentially dispute. Um, there is a, a history and a precedent for a tight end um, disputing, you know, their tight end designation. In 2015, um, the New Orleans Saints gave Jimmy Graham the franchise tag. And if you remember, Jimmy Graham was really not a tight end at all. They were using him like a wide receiver. Um, he was a really, he was a big bodied framed uh, receiver, a tight end who they split out wide. He would run routes, you know, he, he really looked like a wide receiver and didn't really do some of the more traditional um, roles and responsibilities that you would attribute to a, to a tight end. So he filed a grievance um, and this went to arbitration and ultimately a arbiter um, sided with the New Orleans Saints and essentially said that, Hey, although um, you do line up out wide and in the slot, a high percentage of your snaps um, that's what the tight end. Uh, that's what the tight end position is. It's a combination of lining out wide to run routes and coming in line to to block. Um, so ultimately, that request from Jimmy Graham to be designated as a wide receiver was denied. So precedent isn't really on Mike Gesicki's side, um, but if you look at the the alignment snaps for Gesicki, um, he lines up out wide and in the slot a considerable larger amount. Um, or percentage of the time compared to to Jimmy Graham. So again, if there was any time for you know the trends to stop and you know for um, maybe a tight end to win this argument, it would be Mike Gesicki because he he definitely was deployed like a slot um, a slot wide receiver as opposed to a tight end. Um, now again, we're kind of we're kind of going down the rabbit hole and kind of just looking at the possibilities because this is you know this is a possibility um this is kind of one of the drawbacks or one of the, one of the things that comes with using the franchise tag um it'll be interesting to see again if he does actually file that grievance um because if he were to win again he would be designated a wide receiver and he'd be eligible to receive that 18.4 million dollar salary for the 2022 season um i don't think that the dolphins would want to pay mike Gusecki that much money um you know while he is deserving of getting uh, an extension i'm not sure that they're, they're willing to to open up the wallet that much on it and it brings a really interesting question because teams are allowed to remove the franchise tag from players. And, um, you know, upon doing that, they become free agents and they're free to sign with any team without any constraints. Um, you know, this grievance wouldn't be held for months and months down the line, way past free agency, way past the draft. Um, so again, if for some reason Mike Gusecki was to win this, um, this grievance and he gets designated a wide receiver, the Dolphins could theoretically remove the franchise tag and allow Gusecki to become a free agent 
but it'd probably be at a time when most needs have already been filled. The draft players, new rookies have already been brought into facilities and the market really wouldn't be there for Mike Kosecki. So again, I think that there definitely are some pros and cons to doing it. We don't really know what uh, Mike Kosecki's side and his representatives are thinking right now, but um, that's just one of the the possible, you know, routes that placing a franchise tag on him um, can follow. Um, but again, it's, it's really early. It's just one day since uh, the franchise tag was placed. Um, and again, as for now, it seems like Mike Kosecki is going to be a Dolphin in 2022. Now, what does that mean for Emmanuel Agba? He was the other uh, candidate to receive the franchise tag, but um, some comments from his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, gave the indication that the Dolphins never really were, um, you know, really gave that much thought. Um, the, the official numbers that came out from the NFO were about $17.6 or $17.7 million for defensive ends, which um, was a little lower than the initial projected number of $20 million. But again, a really steep price to pay for a defensive end uh, edge player such as Emmanuel Agba. Um, so now it, it looks like Emmanuel Agba will become a free agent. Again, I mean, th- there's a week to hash out a potential deal. Um, I did find it notable that Chris Greer said that he's had more talks with um, Agaba's representatives as opposed to Mike Kosecki. Um, Maybe that's because he knew that he was going to use the franchise tag on uh, Mike Kosecki. So he really wanted to focus on the talks with Agba. Um, But here, I mean, you have a situation where you have a, a very valuable contributor, somebody who's really performed He's way outperformed his his deal, the two-year um, $15 million deal that he signed. And he's in a position where, you know, he's going to probably get him able to field some offers from other teams and really see what his market is is worth. You know, um, I found it also found it notable that Greer spoke a lot about, you know, wanting to be aggressive in free agency, um, but finding the good value. You know, you don't want to just overspend for players and, and, you know, eventually have them on bad contracts two, three years down the line. Um so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what the Dolphins number is for Agba, what Agba's number is for Agba and what, you know, the overall market is. Because, you know, again, I'd say Emmanuel Agba's value is whatever the market wants to pay him. If somebody wants to pay him $20 million, I mean, that's what he's worth right there. And, um, you know, at this point, we don't know exactly what the Dolphins kind of line in the sand is, but that's going to be part of the continued negotiations as they kind of juggle um, trying to bring back Emmanuel Agba, as well as trying to address some other um, needs in free agency. But again, um, this is, you know, this is what happens with the salary cap. You know, sometimes you're not able to keep everybody. You have to make some hard decisions. Um, So right now they're going to kind of, um, let things play out and, and see what happens. And, and I figured that this was going to be, this was going to be the route. I mean, again, the, the franchise number or the franchise tag number for tight ends was way more manageable than the number for defensive ends. Um, and I predicted, you know, if, if it comes down to one of those guys, it's, I think the Dolphins would definitely take a, a Gusecki at $11 million over Emmanuel Agba at what we now know is close to $18 million. Um, so again, that's kind of the risk that they're taking. Um, that's the the route that they're taking in terms of this offseason, and we'll see what happens there. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, I think that you know using the franchise tag on Mike Kosecki, um, you get great value for a very very productive player. Again, I know there's questions about the fit, um, you know whether he is, can truly find a role in this offense, um, but to get one of the better pass catching tight ends, a trusted target for, for your young quarterback to a tongue about Loa for $11 million. 
um, you, you can't ask for more than that. And we'll see again if they're able to um, hash out terms on a long-term deal. Uh, we're going to take a short break, but when we come back on the other side of things, uh, we're going to talk some combine. I know uh, there's a lot of news in the NFL the past couple of days, but again, the NFL combine um, did just wrap up. Um, there are a lot of crazy, crazy times, uh, some really athletic players showcasing um, their skills out in Indianapolis. So we're going to talk about that as well as preview um, the start of free agency for the Dolphins. So stick with us. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. What's going on, everybody? Still here. The Dolphins. Ugh. What's going on? Ugh. What's going on? And welcome back to the Dolphins in Depth podcast. Uh, the first half, we're talking about the big news, the big Dolphins news of the day. There were a lot of a lot of big news in the NFL, but the big Dolphins news of the day on Tuesday was Miami placing the franchise tag on Mike Kosecki, which will in all likelihood keep him uh, with the team for at least the 2022 season as they uh, work to hash out terms on a long-term deal. Uh, like, like I said before, I really wanted to get in some into some combine talk. Um, again, I spent the entire week or more or less the entire week got to india indianapolis monday night left uh saturday afternoon but i spent the week um you know watching some of the top draft prospects um talking with them getting to know um some potential dolphins targets also got to talk to mike mcdaniel uh chris greer uh some members of the organization so it was a a really really productive week and i i wrote a lot of stories so i hope you uh guys really enjoyed the coverage um, but in terms of the actual combine, the event with the draft, draft prospects and, and their testing and whatnot, um, it was a it was a really really uh, crazy week for for the athleticism of the future of the NFL to, to be uh, showcased. Um, there were some really really amazing numbers in the forty, um, you know the the ten yard splits. Uh, the three cone, all of that, um, and really, I, I think the surprise and really what stood out to me is like the athleticism of the trench players. You know, the offensive line, the defensive line. These guys are not usually known for their quickness, um, but you have George's Jordan Davis, a defensive tackle who's almost six seven, three hundred forty pounds. He's running a four eight in the forty. You have a, another defensive lineman or outside linebacker running a four three seven. I mean. Like the future, the athletes of the future are just so, so athletic. Um, it's just, it's just on another level. And we really saw that um, even the crop of wide receivers that, that ran the 40 this year. I mean, it was, it was the fastest 40 time um, for wide receivers since 2003. And really as a whole, I believe, I believe it was the fastest combine, you know, since 2003. Um, 
there's a lot of there's a lot of speed in this uh draft cycle there's a lot of athleticism there's a lot of um guys who can really really make an impact and i think that that was my big takeaway um you know ever since uh the dolphins um trade um with the 49ers and the Eagles at all also we came down to the Dolphins getting uh, the 29th overall pick. I, I know that there were a lot of fans who were probably in, and rightfully so kind of frustrated. Um, you know, you had an opportunity to have the 15th overall pick um, and now you're picking toward the end of the, uh, the first round. Um, the perception is, Hey, you're, you're not really going to get an in early impact player or instant impact player, but I don't believe that to be the case. I mean, again, this is a, a draft class that, is not really perceived as very top heavy, you know, the top of the draft compared to previous drafts, you know, you don't have, you don't have nearly as much star power. Um, but, you know, I, I was on a conference call with um, NFL network draft analyst, Daniel Jeremiah a couple of weeks ago. And he said like, from like 14 to 60, I mean, there's just so much talent. You can't really differentiate between, you know, those, those 40, some somewhat guys. I mean, just cause there's so much talent. Um, and, and again, I think that with that, you'll have various teams, draft boards kind of stacking up different ways. And you might have some surprises in that first round. Um, and again, there's just so much talent that in, in terms of the, the depth that I think that at 29, you might have a scenario where somebody kind of falls to the Dolphins um, who the team didn't originally expect. And, you know, you, you're in a situation where you don't think you're going to get a, you know, a instant impact player, but you really do. And maybe at a real position of need, I mean, even at wide receiver, um, you know, there were a lot of kind of smaller school prospects who really showed out and it looks like they're going to be, you know, potential players on day two and day three, you know, they might not go within the first 32 picks, but they could go in the second and third round, maybe even the fourth round and come in and really play significant snaps as rookies. I mean, we're talking about guys like North Dakota State wide receiver uh, Christian Watson, Western Michigan wide receiver Sky Moore, guys like that. Um, they really, really showed out in Indy. Um, and again, they might not be first round picks. They might not be day one picks, but they're uh, they're guys that can really step in and, and do some really good things because they're talented players. Just maybe don't have the notoriety or maybe don't have, um, you know, the, the standing of some of the, the more blue chip prospects. Uh, but even if you look at, you know, the trench play, you know, the Dolphins top need is offensive line. There's going to be guys there. I mean, Zion Johnson is a guy that I've been talking about a lot, especially since they hired his uh, um, former offensive line coach, Matt Applebaum. Um, I got the opportunity to speak with him at the NFL Combine. Um, he's a very, very impressive young man. Um, he just seems like the type of guy that that's going to fit in in with the Dolphins, you know, when you talk about Mike McDaniel, um, he's a Harvard educated guy, very, very intellectual, high IQ guy. Um, I, I was really surprised and I, I won't say surprised, but um, intrigued to hear from from Zion Johnson that he he wanted to go. He wanted to go to Yale growing up. Uh, he was a late bloomer in football. He said he wasn't really much of an athlete. He had a 4.0 in school. He was focused on academics. Um, but, you know, he, he got into football late, you know, when he was like 16, 17 years old. Um, and, you know, he was a quick learner. You know, he went to Davidson. Um, he shined at Davidson. And then he joined uh, Matt Applebaum in Boston College, where he ultimately became a, a first team all ace first team all ACC selection. And he maybe had the best combine of, of any offensive lineman in, in, in the cycle. I mean, truly. Um, 
you know, his measurables came out pretty, pretty well. Um, he ran a really, really strong 40 time. Um, he did 32 uh, reps of the bench press, which I, I believe led all the offensive linemen. Um, so he was a guy that definitely came into, um, you know, Indy as a fringe first round prospect, but he had a really, really strong senior bowl. Um, he took some reps at center. He, um, you know, stacked that with a really, really strong combine. Uh, and again, I mean, he, he might be a guy that doesn't even get the 29, but if he gets the 29, um, I think that that's a really, really strong pick for the Dolphins. That's like an instant day one starter, you know, put him at one of the guard spots, put him at center. Um, it seems like you're going to be set for the next 10 years. Um, so again, it's not even just Zion Johnson. There's a lot of guys. Again, I think that the depth of this draft class is really, really strong. Um, seems like the Dolphins are going to have about seven picks. They're going to have two fourth round picks. They're going to have a second and a third. Um, you know, I, I wrote about it um, a couple of days ago when I did my takeaways from the combine. Number 29 is not an all or nothing spot to get an uh, offensive contributor. Um, you know, if the Dolphins maybe even go defense and, and they get an inside linebacker or a pass rusher or somebody at 29, um, there's going to be some options um, in day two and even early day three to find guys who can really help out this offense, which we all know needs a lot of help. So um, again, we're, we've still got free agency, which we're about to talk about soon. Um, but I think that Dolphins fans should really be excited about uh, the, the the strength of this draft class and the possibility to get some um, some guys that look good um, in the Dolphins uniform and play well as, as well. Uh, so before we get out of here, we're going to talk about free agency. Again, one week to the start of the new league year. Um, you know, outside of, you know, kickoff for the NFL season, this might be a fan's, you know, favorite time of the year because you can dream, you can dream, and you can dream some more. And the Dolphins, they lead the league in cap space. So Dolphins fans, they're going to be dreaming a lot in terms of some of the guys that can uh, they can bring over um, to help this team get over the hump, get back into the playoffs, and man, win a playoff game for the first time in two decades when I was in preschool, I think. Um, I'm going to break down some of my predictions kind of do an outlook, look at uh, what the Dolphins have to address and what I think will happen. Um, again, the Dolphins, after placing the franchise tag on Mike Gusecki, uh, they're projected to have about $50 million in cap space. So they're going to have a lot of a lot of room to maneuver, a lot of guys, a lot of uh, money to, to keep some of their own guys, as well as bring in some guys. Um, and I think that, you know, I guess I would say the top priority in-house would be Emmanuel Agba. Again, the Dolphins decided not to use the franchise tag on Agba and use it on Gusecki. Um, uh, Drew Rosenhaus, Agba's agent, um, told a local, local channel, local Miami channel on Sunday that um, the likelihood and the expectation and, you know, it seems more likely than not that Agba is going to see what his value is on the open market. He's going to get to field some offers. And uh, it's always tough to see, um, I won't say homegrown guys, but guys that you had in your building who uh, produced well. It's, it's always tough to see them leave, but or at least go to the open market. But that's just the nature of, of the salary cap era and, and the nature of the NFL. Um, and, I, and I think that, you know, we are looking at a situation or a scenario where Agba does field a really, really big offer. Um, and it's one that he can't turn down. Again, this is a guy who's 28. Um, there's potentially a likelihood that this is his last or his first and last really big payday. Um, so, you know, you know, his agent is definitely going to prioritize uh, prioritize him getting you know, the biggest deal he can get. He said that he would still keep Miami as a possible option. 
Um, but edge rusher, that is a premium position in the NFL. Um, teams have shown that they will pay a lot of money for a guy who can get to the pass rusher, uh, excuse me, who can get to the passer, who can rush the passer and disrupt him. And Agba has shown that he can do that um, at a pretty, pretty high level over the last uh, two years. So again, if I had to make a prediction right now, I would say that, you know, and again, this is not really more so insider information. This is more just kind of me looking at the layout of the market, um, you know, the Dolphins needs and how things have kind of progressed. If I had to guess, if I had to make a prediction, I would say that Agbo walks in free agency and that'd be a really tough pill to swallow because he was a really big part of that defense that had obviously started slow in 2021 but got things going as the season went on, whether that was rushing the passer or getting bad at balls. That'd be a tough, tough blow and a tough guy to lose. Um, but again, anything can happen when you hit the market. And his agent did say that he would keep Miami as a possibility, but we'll see what happens. It's different when you're talking to one team as opposed to kind of hearing from other teams about what they uh, what they value you at. Um, now, in terms of out side or outhouse or not outhouse um, outside the house uh, needs I'll say um, definitely the top two needs for the Dolphins this offseason are offensive linemen particularly offensive tackle and wide receiver and you know again the franchise tag was not only a really big day for what the Dolphins did but what other teams did we saw some teams lock up some potential Dolphins targets um, the Buccaneers put the franchise tag on Chris Godwin the Packers locked up Devontae Adams along with uh, Aaron Rodgers. So those guys are going to be back in Green Bay for another year. Um, e- even a guy like Cam Robinson with the Jacksonville Jaguars, who I'm not sure the Dolphins would have targeted him, um, but he got locked up as well as offensive tackle Orlando Brown Jr. with the Kansas City Chiefs. So there were some positions of needs and players at positions of needs who are not going to be on the market. And it, in, in a sense, it kind of you know dries up uh, the potential options for the Dolphins um, to target. There still are some really, really talented players, some really, really good players that the Dolphins can 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 target and bring in um, with their league leading cap space. Um, but but again, it, the options aren't as deep as they were prior to the franchise tag. Um, and, and I do think that the Dolphins will um, you know focus in on offensive line. You know, I don't think that the offensive line is going to be overhauled the way that many people think. Um, again, in talking to Mike McDaniel and talking to, you know, members of the coaching staff, Chris Greer, um, they really, really are bullish on this offensive line. I mean, you have guys like Austin Jackson, um, Liam Eichenberg, who were high draft picks in recent years, and they don't want to give up on these guys, you know, whether that's right or wrong. Um, that's 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 how they that's how they feel. Um, and again, I mean, they drafted them pretty high. Um, they don't want to just throw them to the side because that's going to be viewed as them giving up on them and really give the the optics that the picks were were, were bad picks. They were the wrong picks. Um, and they don't want to do that that early. But again, I, I did think that McDaniel really struck a balance when he spoke to me. He said, hey, we think you guys are talented. We think that they can be developed. We think that they can be contributors in 2022. But at the same time, and he said, quote, we're not going to put on blinders and think that we're OK. Um, so, again, if there's a guy who they target in free agency, who wants to come to Miami, who they think can improve this offensive line, they're definitely going to do it. And I do think that that will be a focus. 
a name that um, I've been floating for a while. A lot of people have just been floating because of a natural connection to McDaniel is a 49ers offensive guard, Lakin Thomason. He's 30 years old. Um, he's really thrived in that system that McDaniel is seeking to bring to Miami. Um, I don't think that you would necessarily have to break the bank for him. Um, you know, definitely probably going to reach um, double digit millions in terms of salary, maybe 10, 11, maybe a little bit more. Um, but if you're looking for a guy who, you know, you want a system fit, I mean, why not, why not bring one of your friends over, you know, Mike McDaniel already brought some of, some of his old, uh, colleagues in my, my, uh, San Francisco to Miami for his coaching staff. Why not bring some players who, you know, can you, uh, plug right in and, and, and get the job uh, done. So that's one name that I'm definitely going to be looking out for. Another one, which is definitely probably the top offensive tackle, really one of the top um, free agents set to hit the market is uh, Teron Armstead, offensive tackle from the New Orleans Saints. Um, Again, he's about, I believe he's about 30 years old. Um, He's had some injury concerns over the years, but when you look at, you know, a top flight franchise left tackle, I mean, you can't ask for more than him. Again, he's probably the top offensive tackle on the market this off season. And this is where Chris Greer has to work his magic. Uh, he has to, he has to show uh, some, some guys the money, but again, um, I think that that is a player that would really, really shore up this offensive line. Um, you need some, probably you really do need some veterans on that group. I mean, it's a young group that hasn't been developed properly. And the hope is that uh, Mike McDaniel can develop them. Um, but you definitely want to get some better options to let you know, um, you know, don't really need the development, can go right there, can learn the playbook um, and, and can hold it down for, for a 17 game schedule. So those are two offensive linemen that I definitely have my uh, my eyes out for. Another name that I wrote down was uh, James Daniels. Um, he's a really pretty young guy. I mean, he, he was drafted in 2018, um, just just a four year pro. Um, the Chicago Bears run a, a zone running um, type offense in terms of you know their run game. I um, mean, and he's been one of the he's been one of the kind of the best offensive guards that you really haven't heard of. I mean, we don't talk about offensive linemen a lot, um, but he's been a really really productive offensive lineman. So he's kind of one of those um, you know low value. You wouldn't be able to, or excuse me, I'll say high value, but you wouldn't have to pay a, a big price for him. Um, and you can get him at, at a young age and get him for years to come. I think that he's a, a sneaker a sleeper pick. I, I should say to uh, come to Miami. Um, the second offensive need, obviously, like I said before, is wide receiver. Um, and again, some of the big names, uh, the top names were taken off the market and Devontae Adams, um, Chris Godwin. Um, so I, I do see this as a situation where I don't know if the Dolphins will, will throw out like big time money, like $20 million a year money. I could be wrong. Um, but just kind of knowing the system and getting to learn this system, um, it doesn't seem like one where McDaniel was going to be fairly or McDaniel or Greer are going to be really compelled to bring in a $20 million um, wide receiver. Um, But again, Allen Robinson was not given the franchise tag. Um, Chicago Bears receiver, a big body target who can make contested catches. Um, He's going to hit the market. Um, Do the Dolphins go after him? Uh, I'm not sure. I I do tend to think that his skill set kind of mirrors Devontae Parker. I think he's a little bit smoother route runner than Devontae Parker, Um, but he's probably the top wide receiver name. I, I do think that they're going to go after kind of one of the the tier two wide receivers. And I think that you could find a lot of value and a lot of production in those guys. Um, two names that I have my eyes out. Um, 
Two names that I have my eyes out for are Jacksonville Jaguars receiver DJ Chark and Arizona Cardinals receiver Christian Kirk. Um, Chark had an injury-marred season. I believe he had a foot issue um, in 2021, so he didn't play a lot of games. Um, but he's young. He's fast. He has size. Um, you know, I think he can play a couple of different spots. So this is an offense that needs more dynamic playmakers. They need guys who can get down the field, who can separate, and who Tua Tungabailoa um, can find downfield because we know this offense did not stretch um, and test teams vertically as much as they should have in 2021. Um, Christian Kirk, I think that he'd be a great fit in this offense. And McDaniel has watched him a lot uh, in that being a coach in the NFC West for the past couple of years. So there's definitely a lot of familiarity there. He uh, mainly played in the slot in 2021, but in previous years, he's played outside um, and inside. So there definitely is some position, positional flexibility, which I think McDaniel will um, will focus on. Um, he's Again, he's young, he's fast, he's a really smart route runner. Um, and, and that's really, again, that's what the Dolphins need. They need to add guys with Jalen Waddle um, and kind of take the pressure off Jalen Waddle, allow him to do more vertically. Um, I think Christian Kirk would be a great, great fit. Um, but the last thing, I guess the last prediction, and I don't know if you can call it prediction, but uh, the last thing that I'll touch on for the Dolphins offseason agenda is Xavier Howard. Um, we all know last year, the contract dispute, the contract resolution, um, and it looks like they're, it's going to be revisited again in the coming weeks and months. Um, Chris Greer confirmed that to uh, reporters last week. He said that um, along with fixing or kind of restructuring Xavier Howard's contract last year, um, he made the promise that they revisit it after the conclusion of the season. And that's where we are now. He said that uh, he's going to seek a resolution with Howard with the expectation that he's going to be a Miami Dolphin in 2022. Um, again, obviously, there was a trade request last year um, and they were able to kind of avoid really going down that, that, that path and they were able to keep one of their best players. Um, but this is definitely part of the Dolphins agenda. And I think that it has to be factored into any moves that they make. Um, again, the Dolphins do have a lot of money, um, $50 million um, projected right now. Um, but it looks like they're going to have to make Xavier Howard one of the highest paid cornerbacks in the NFL. And it's going to be really in interesting to see the timeline for that because there are some uh, top flight cornerbacks set to hit the market, most notably J.C. Jackson for the uh, from the New England Patriots. Um, if Jackson gets a contract that you know nearly sets the market, does that force or does that uh, make Xavier Howard and his uh, representative say, hey? I want to get even more money. Do they kind of wait things out and see how this, you know, this cornerback market shapes out? I'm not sure. But again, there is definitely going to be some resolution to Xavier Howard's contract um, after the initial restructuring in 2021, where they moved up some guarantees um, and they gave him some some more incentives. Um, I think that that was probably one of the more notable things to come out of my week in, in Indianapolis. Um, Chris Greer just flat out saying, yeah, I, pr I made a promise to Xavier Howard to address that. Um, and now we're going to do that now. Um, the Dolphins are definitely in the business of keeping uh, one of their best players as they should be. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens there. Uh, well, that brings us to the end of another edition of the Dolphins In-Depth Podcast. I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, I've been saying it every week. It's been very, very busy on the Dolphins beat. Um, and again, with a league leading amount of cap space, um, it's going to be very, very busy in the weeks to follow. Um, I'm off next week, so no podcast next week, but we'll be back after 
uh, in the week after that uh, to recap the first week of uh, free agency, what moves the Dolphins have made, um, and you know, talk about the draft a little bit more as that quickly uh, inches closer to us. Uh, but until then, you guys take care. Enjoy the start of free agency, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.